Uh, good morning, everyone. Lovely, really warm welcome uh, to you all, uh, to those of you in the building and to those of you who are watching online. It's really great uh, that you've been able to join us for our act of worship this morning. Today, Neil will be continuing our series uh, looking at uh, the book of Ephesians, and we will be looking at Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, uh, God's vision for marriage. Uh, so we look forward to, uh, to Neil unpacking that uh, for us. Before we start, however, let's, uh, let's just take a, a moment to quieten our own hearts, uh, to be mindful of coming uh, before the Lord uh, and offering this time uh, to him as, a, as our act of worship. So let's just uh, uh, pause for a moment. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much uh, for gathering us uh, uh, together uh, as a, a church family uh, to bring our worship uh, to you. Our Father, I pray that... Uh, uh, you would help us now to put uh, the distractions uh, of the day uh, to one side. Uh, Father, I do pray that uh, uh, you would ready our hearts uh, this morning. Uh, Father, I pray that by your spirit you would, uh, you would speak to us powerfully through your word. And uh, might we be greatly encouraged uh, as we reflect and dwell and marvel at what you have done for us. So stir our hearts this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Peter writes uh, this uh, in his first letter, uh, reminding us of just uh, how costly uh, the love of God was uh, to bring us back to himself. Uh, he reminds us that uh, we have been bought uh, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. That's just an incredible truth, isn't it? Uh, that his love for us is so great uh, that he would send his only son to live the life that we should have lived and then to die the death that we deserve in our place. His love for you is that strong. And that causes a great rejoicing in our hearts, doesn't it? Uh, we're now at that part of the service uh, where we're readying ourselves to hear from God's word, uh, to have it read uh, and for it uh, to be unfolded uh, for us. Uh, and part of that journey will be uh, for John Billet uh, to lead us in prayer. Uh, after that, Liz will bring us our reading. Let us continue in prayer. Our gracious God and loving heavenly Father, humbly we bow in your presence and we worship you, our awesome God, sovereign of the universe, Lord of space and time. We bow before you. We confess our sins and repent of them. And we ask for your forgiveness. We thank you that Christ died, that we might be forgiven. We ask you to help us in our worship we might worship you in spirit and in truth. Our Heavenly Father, we pray for our nation. We think of all the celebrations and excitement of the last weekend. We pray for the Queen and the Royal Family. We pray for our government and for all those in authority over us that they might look to you and act and move in line with your precious word. We pray for the church in our land that you would revive your work, that many would hear the good news about Jesus and believe and be saved. We pray for our world, 
with all its troubles in so many places. We pray especially for an end to this awful war in Ukraine. We pray for the spreading of the gospel in our world throughout all nations. And we remember those who are serving you, especially today we pray for Josh and Helen Chard with Rafi in Aswan in Egypt. Lord, watch over them, especially at this time as they're feeding spiritual attacks and difficulties. We thank you for them. Protect them, we pray, and bless them. Keep them close to each other and close yourself. Thank you for good progress in their Arabic studies. Continue to prepare them for the work you have for them to do. We pray for Neil and Liz. We thank you for them and for their sabbatical. And pray your continued blessing upon them. We pray for Saab and Karen too as they go off on holiday this Friday. We remember to Marion as she moves to her new home in Dorchester. And our Father, we pray for those recently bereaved, for your continued comfort for Val Tomes and family, for Rob Finley and family, for Lila King and family, and for Steve Heinmarsh and family. You who are the God of all comfort, continue to comfort and uphold them, we pray. We remember too those who are shouting at home, housebound, those who are unwell, at home in hospital, those who are lonely and needy. Draw near and grant help, we pray. We thank you for the blessings of the away day yesterday and for those who benefited from it. And we pray for the celebration service tonight at Woodstock Road for the churches who gather there. We pray your continued blessing upon the life and witness and testimony of the church here, that you would use us to reach out with the gospel to shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, too, that this morning we might listen and learn and love and live for the glory of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. So speak to us as we hear your word read, we pray, and grant the anointing of your spirit for Neil as he preaches the word to us. And God, be merciful to us and bless us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. The reading is taken from Ephesians 5 and it's verses 21 to 33. Instructions for Christian households. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Thanks, Liz, for reading. Let's uh, pray as we come to this passage, shall we? Father, you do know our different situations as we come to this passage, as we come to your word. We want to all be ministered to by you, but that will be in different ways. Some may need rebuking and correcting. Others may need encouraging and healing. Lord, we thank you that you are with us, that your spirit is at work. We pray he would uh, reach into our hearts now and reveal something more of you and of your vision for marriage and your love for your church. In Jesus' name, amen. I think it's about 15 couples, I think the last count in this church, who have celebrated uh, their golden or even their diamond wedding anniversaries. Um, Jeff and Hannah's turn this year, so there'll be congratulations to them in due course. Um, but given that only statistically 6% of married couples in this country make it to 50 years, it's quite surprising that we have so many. Um, and you may ask, what is the secret to a long and happy marriage? I guess many people would say, well, it's love. But what exactly is this thing called love? For many, it's a feeling of uh, romantic attraction, an emotion that keeps people bonded and committed to, to one another. The trouble is that when a marriage is founded on that emotion uh, and you lose that, that feeling or you feel that your partner's lost that feeling for you, then that marriage starts to, to crumble. Love, as the Bible defines it, is far more than a feeling of romantic attraction. God's vision for marriage is based on a much more solid foundation of love, as we will see. It's modeled on the sacrificial love that Jesus has for his people, the church. It's a wonderful expression of deep commitment and a sacrificial love in which each party seeks to put the other first and which consequently provides a secure environment for the raising of children. Love will never be perfect between humans because we are all fallen. Um, but we do have a perfect model of love in Jesus Christ, even if we're not able to live up to that model ourselves. The great thing is that the more we understand the love of Christ for us, the more we will be able to live out that love in our relationships with others, as we heard yesterday on our away day. Our verse for, for the year captures that. Uh, it's from Ephesians. You hopefully will know it by now. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. 
And this series in Ephesians uh, is all about love, isn't it? It's about God's grace. Um, as we read in, in chapter 2, we were all those who were once spiritually dead. But what happened? Because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And so the first three chapters of this letter, as you've been looking at, describe God's love for us. And the last three describe what should that look like as we live out that love in our relationships with others. Verse 1 of chapter 5 captures that in many ways. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Colin explained to us what that looks like in the life of the church as we live in unity, as we seek the maturity of one another. Um, and this week and next, we'll see what that love looks like between husbands and wives, uh, between parents and children, and uh, employers and employees, which I think is probably the modern day application of chapter six there. So this morning, we're going to begin by looking at marriage. And your reaction to that may depend on your current situation. If you are a young person, Listening in, and the impact group will be watching this um, on the live stream. You may not even have thought about marriage yet. Um, it's too far off. Or you may already be dreaming of the day when you meet and marry the love of your life and you live happily ever after. Maybe you've recently got married and you're either in the so called uh, honeymoon period uh, when everything is perfect, or maybe you're thinking, well, this is not quite what I expected marriage to be like. Maybe you've been married many years. And again, it may be a really healthy, flourishing marriage. Alternatively, it may be full of struggles. Maybe you're divorced and the the whole subject of marriage brings back painful memories for you. Maybe you're widowed and you're still struggling to cope with life without your husband or your wife. Maybe you're single and you've never been married. Uh, You're either happy with that, God has blessed you with lovely friends and family, or you're still holding out for the right person to come along. Marriage is an emotional subject because we all approach it from different perspectives. At one level, it is a gift from God. But like all God's gifts, we are not meant to value the gift more than the giver. And God himself. And Jesus tells us that there will be no marriage in heaven. The reason is because we will be in a far greater relationship uh, in heaven, one which gives us perfect fulfillment. As God's people will be married to Jesus Christ, the head of the church. We will be his bride. Which is one reason we shouldn't look down on singleness. Um, because in heaven, both singles and marrieds will uh, be there at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So what is God's vision then for marriage according to the Bible? Well, this passage tells us that God's vision for marriage is to provide a picture, first of all, of the love of Christ for his bride, the church. The letter to the Ephesians describes the privilege of belonging to to God's people, the church, and just how much God loves the church. 
Um, Look how many times the church is mentioned in this passage, verse 23, if you've got your Bibles open there. The husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is a saviour. Verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In verse 29, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. And in verse 31, we have the quote from Genesis um, together with the explanation. Uh, It says in verse 31, for this reason... A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. As Saab was explaining the other week, when the word mystery is used in the Bible, it refers to something which was previously hidden, but then is revealed um, later. We read in the book of Genesis how God uh, ordained marriage after he created men and women. But it's only with the coming of Christ that we appreciate its full significance. That mystery is revealed to us as a picture of the love of Christ for his bride, the church. So what is special about the relationship between Christ and the church? Well, it's the fact that Christ demonstrated his love for the church by making the ultimate sacrifice. He gave himself up. He sacrificed his life for the church so that we might enjoy a perfect union with him. For the husband and wife to become one flesh is a reference to, to sexual intercourse. But intercourse is more than just a physical act. When the husband and wife enjoy intercourse, they are giving themselves fully, physically and emotionally to each other in a context of a committed relationship because the problem in our society is that sex has become degraded instead of what it was designed to be by god an expression of intimacy and self-giving it's become an opportunity for people to satisfy their own sexual urges and so sex often doesn't take place in the context of a committed stable relationship but as part of a one-night stand with somebody you hardly know The relationship between Christ and his church is a permanent commitment of sacrificial love. In a marriage, we're called to display the love of Christ through the different and complementary roles that God has given husbands and wives, as this passage explains. We'll read here the responsibility and attitude of the husband is meant to have for his wife. Uh, That loving headship symbolizes Christ's sacrificial love for the church. And the willing submission of the wife toward her husband is a symbol of the church's willing submission to Christ. So let's have a look at that in more detail, starting with husbands. Husbands are called in verse 25 to love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The type of love that husbands are called to show towards their lives is the same type of love that Christ has showed toward the church. And that type of love involved sacrifice, giving himself up, giving up his comfort and status and majesty in heaven and coming down to earth as a man. And then giving up his life for the sake of 
his people. As Andy Robinson said yesterday, a death is at the heart of love. In marriage, the husband is to die to his preferences and comfort and look to do what is best for his wife. But what is the best thing a husband can do for his wife? The passage continues. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The goal of Christ for his church is to make her holy. Um, He does this through his sacrifice on the cross when he took the punishment we deserved for our sin. He enabled us to be forgiven and made right with God. We are holy in his sight. And here there is a comparison between the way husbands should love their lives, what their wives. Husbands, of course, can't make their wives holy like Christ can, but they can help them to become more like Christ, which if we are Christians is the most important thing we want, isn't it? To become more like Christ. So if husbands are to help their wives grow spiritually, then first of all, they need to have a faith themselves. A husband can't help his wife grow in her faith if he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Which is why the Bible teaches that it is wrong for a Christian to marry someone who's not a Christian. They're not able to provide the most important thing that we all need as Christians, to be encouraged and supported to grow in our faith. And 2 Corinthians 6 is pretty clear about this there. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And it's easy then when you're young to think, um, well, surely it's okay just to, to go out with somebody who's not a Christian, not planning to marry them. The trouble is when you date someone, you're becoming emotionally involved and attached to them. And that becomes harder the longer you are with them to break that off. Or maybe you think, if I go out with them uh, or marry them, maybe I can help them to become a Christian. It says in 1 Corinthians 7, How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Another person's salvation is not in our hands. It's God who saves. Now, I know there are many women in our church who are married to unbelieving husbands um, who are struggling in this area. Maybe women who've come to faith uh, since they got married and have realized the challenge it is. And we do need to pray and support you. And so we pray that you will um, be able to come to us for help and support. There may be husbands here this morning who are not yet Christians. And it's great that you are here. Um, that shows a real respect for the faith of your wife. Um, if you are not yet able to help her grow in her faith, then I hope you will at least give her the freedom uh, to come to church and to be able to support her by her church family. But coming back to the role of Christian husbands in marriage, how can you help your wife grow in her faith? Well, firstly, you need to be growing in your faith. Um, if you're neglecting your own relationship with Jesus... How will you be able to help your wife grow in hers? So if you're not in a good place spiritually, then again, come and seek help. We'd love to pray with you and support you in that. Secondly, you need to be taking a lead spiritually. 
Um, you need to be active as a husband and not passive. Are you taking the initiative, uh, suggesting to your wife uh, that you pray together, that you read the Bible together, you go to a home group together? Are you making sure you get back from work in time to allow one of you to go to a, to a home group? Are you making sure that church attendance is a priority for you as a family? Are you making it possible for your wife to go to women's events, to breakfast, and meet up with other women for, for help and support? Helping her think how she can use her gifts to serve in the life of the church. It was wonderful hearing the, the testimony of Val at the funeral the other day. Of how when she... Sorry. <laughs> of how when she prayed with Ken that... Um, his prayers just lifted her up to another level. Are you taking a lead in bringing your children up in the Christian faith? And we'll come back to that next week. The passage goes on to say, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body. They feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. We are members of his body. The point that Paul makes here is that it's natural to want to look after yourself, your own physical and spiritual needs. You know when you're hungry. You know when you need to eat. You know when you're thirsty and need to drink. You know when you're tired and you need a rest. You know, when your spiritual life is not as healthy as it should be. And hopefully you'll do something about all those things. What is being said here to husbands is learn to know your wives so well that you know when they need all of those things. And do something about it. If they're not looking after their physical health, help them. If they're not looking after their their mental health, help them, support them. If they're not looking after their spiritual health, Help them. Because in a way, they are part of your own body. Um, In marriage, you have become one. You are united. Let's turn to the responsibility of wives. And the simple command here in verse 22 is, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And it carries on. For the husband is the head of the wife. As Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. I guess the big challenge when we read this passage, as uh, well as the other passages in 1 Peter, uh, Colossians, Titus, that talk about submission, is that in our culture, submission has quite negative uh, connotations, doesn't it? It implies allowing somebody else to get their own way. And historically, men have been guilty of exploiting their physical strength or their positions of power to abuse women. But there's a difference between allowing someone to get their own selfish way and encouraging someone to take seriously the responsibility they have been given to love and to serve you. In God's vision for marriage... Husbands have been given a responsibility to love, to care for, to protect 
their wives, to take a lead in their spiritual growth. If they're doing that in God's strength, then you can see how it makes sense for a wife to encourage them in that by submitting to them. And the reason we're given here um, why the wife is told to submit to her husband is the husband is the head of the wife and the comparison is made with Christ as the head of the church. Uh, that concept of headship doesn't just appear here. It's um, in 1 Corinthians 11, where it says, Now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So here we have Christ, who is God, um, submitting to God by whom is meant the Father. And what that shows is submission is not about status. Um, men and women are equal in status. We are one in Christ. We are loved equally by, by God. But God has given men and women different roles. Um, in the same way that Jesus and Father are both uh, God. They are equal in status. But they have different roles in which Jesus is to submit to the Father and be obedient to him. Both the husband and wife are called to submit to Christ. Um, that takes priority over all human allegiance. And so the wife will not do anything to dishonor Christ, even if her husband tells her to. She's not meant to give up her moral conscience. Wives will listen to the word of God themselves, and by God's grace will try and understand it and apply it to their lives, and in the same way that husbands will. And if their husbands are not taking the lead to, to help them grow in their faith, they will need to take that themselves. It will just be harder. Or someone may ask, well, what if the wife um, has been a Christian for longer than her husband? What, what if she's got more Bible knowledge and experience? Well, husband-wife relationship is not meant to be a, a teacher-pupil relationship. Wives may be more spiritually mature than their husbands, but they can still submit to them in terms of their role. It's a bit like in the workplace when a new boss comes in. Um, he may have less experience and knowledge than some members of his team. But the team still submit to the authority that has been given over them. Okay, but what about if the husband is not a Christian, as we've said already? Well, there's a passage in 1 Peter 3 that addresses that situation. And um, let's just read that briefly here. It says there, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Now, you may not be able to convert your husband by telling them the gospel. He may not be interested in opening up a Bible. But you can have an influence on him by your behavior. There's no guarantee that will save him. But it can go away towards that, and you can allow God to do the rest. You can model Christ in the home, in the way you live out your Christian faith in the way you show that inner beauty. That is a powerful witness. Some of you may have seen the film uh, Unbroken. Uh, it's about uh, Louis Zamperini, who's an American uh, Olympic athlete who joined um, the U.S. Air Force before the Second World War. Uh, his plane crashed in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, miraculously, he stayed alive for 47 days, I think it was, on a, on a raft. Um, he was picked up unfortunately, by the Japanese, sent to a prisoner of war camp or different prisoner of war camps and was tortured quite brutally 
by one particular Japanese officer. Um, miraculously, again, he survived and returned to the U.S. after the war, but suffered severe um, PTSD and became an alcoholic. Uh, he did get married, um, but obviously, because of all that, the impact on the marriage was pretty poor. Um, his wife uh, got to the point of filing for divorce, but uh, she went along to a Billy Graham meeting in 1949, and she was converted. She, she turned her life to Christ. Um, and she started to change. Um, she encouraged her, her husband to go to that meeting. Of course, he was reluctant at first, didn't want to have anything to do with that. Eventually he went, um, hated the idea of being told that he was a sinner, um, but went back again. And God did a miraculous work of conversion in him to the point that he was freed from his alcoholism. Um, he was filled with a love that allowed him to forgive uh, the Japanese. He went back to Japan and met them face to face and uh, told them that uh, he could forgive them because Christ had forgiven him. Now, it's wonderful to hear, isn't it, of miracles like that. But it doesn't happen, sadly, all the time. Uh, there will be occasions where there is um, abuse in the home and, and it may be the right thing for the, the, the wife Occasionally, it might be the husband to leave. Um, there's a lot of wisdom needed in that, so we do need to pray for people who may be going through situations like that. Semperini's emotional wounds were deep and left him unable to love. Um, it required a dramatic healing. But even if we are Christians already, we will not be completely free from the influence of sin in this life. Uh, we may not be loving our husbands and wives in the way that Christ loved us. There may be stuff getting in the way of that, which is why, as it says back in verse 18, if you look back there, we need, as God's people, to keep on being filled with the Spirit. Only the Spirit has the power to help us see our failings, um, to stop us blaming our spouse uh, for the problems in our marriage as if it is all down to them. Only the Spirit has the power to heal brokenness, to bring marriages back to life and fill them with peace and with joy. If you are struggling in your marriage, um, then can I encourage you to seek help before those issues get worse, uh, ideally together. Um, come speak to a pastor and allow us to, to pray for you. And pray for the Spirit to work in your marriage. The great news uh, for all of us, whatever our marital status, though, is that Christ is the only spouse who can truly fulfill us. And that fulfillment will last for eternity. So if you are single, don't let that become a, a burden. As the Bible teaches, there are many blessings that single people experience that are not open to, to marry people. But if you are single, do befriend those who are married. Do pray for them in their marriages. And likewise, if you are married, don't overlook the single people in our church. Befriend them. Include them within your family life. As we heard yesterday, let's be prepared to make the same sacrifices that we would make for our family members as we make for members of our church family. We read those words as we finish again. From chapter 5, verse 1. 
Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Conscious that a lot of what we've been talking about this morning will be quite sensitive for many people here, um, according to your situation. So we do need to just to have some time uh, before we rush off um, to respond to what's been said, to the way the Lord may have been speaking to you. Um, we need to wait on him. So we're going to have a time of prayer and reflection. Um, group's going to lead us as well. We're going to start with just a song, um, a quiet song to re- reflect on a bit. Um, and there will be different aspects of prayer. I will just lead us in prayer and just give us some space to to pray individually um, and hear what the Lord is saying to you about your situation. Father, we do pray that your spirit would speak to us now. Lord, we pray for Repentance. Pray for us as husbands. Husbands, we pray that you'd reveal to us what are the areas of our marriage where we are letting our wives down, where we are letting you down, where we are failing to love them as Christ loved his church. Wives, where are the areas we're failing to love our husbands, where we're failing to encourage them to lead as God has called them to lead? Husbands and wives, where are we being self-centered, focusing on our needs, the expense of the needs of our husband or wife? It's a moment of quiet to reflect on that. Father, we thank you that there is forgiveness in Christ as we come to the cross and confess our sins. You are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins because Christ has taken the penalty for us. Father, renew us, refresh us in our love for our Husbands and wives, help us to live and love in the way you have loved us. Conscious there may be marriages that are are struggling, that are broken. Let's pray for strength and healing for those in that situation. Pray for perseverance and wisdom. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's allow him to take those burdens from us. Help us to trust in his strength and his power. Let's pray for miracles, Lord, where there may be 
situations which seem irreconcilable. We lift them up to you, Lord. Father, we thank you that our hope is in Jesus. He gives us the hope that we cannot find in anything or anyone else. And we praise you for that. And we pray that you would allow that truth to sink deep into the hearts of, of all of us. We think particularly, though, for those who may be struggling with maybe with singleness, help them find their true fulfillment in Christ himself. If it is your will to answer their prayer for a husband or a wife, then we pray you would answer that. But Lord, help them to trust in you, find their hope in you. Lord, for those who are divorced and, and still going through pain as a result of that, Lord, again, lift them, carry them, help them to know you there at all times. Lord, for the widowed, give them strength for each day. Lord, for our young people, Help them to have a more glorious uh, vision of marriage, your vision for marriage. Protect them, we pray, from the temptations of the world. Keep them following you. So we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his wonderful love for us, that he was willing to give himself up for us. And we praise you for that in his name. Amen. Now that does bring us uh, to the end of our service. Uh, if the Lord's spoken to you uh, this morning, uh, please do make use of the time now to pray with someone that uh, you came with or pray with uh, Colin, Neil or myself. Uh, do allow the Holy Spirit to continue uh, to minister uh, to your hearts uh, this morning. Please don't rush away uh, until you've spent time in prayer. Uh, some words from Paul's letter to the churches in Philippi as an encouragement to us as we go. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.